Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Love Your Future Self. Today's guest is Cassie Zeinhardt. She studies psychology at The Ohio State University, and in this episode, we talk about stress, anxiety, depression, and different ways to manage and cope. We talk about the importance of discussing mental health and our personal experiences. This is probably one of my favorite conversations to date. It was just so educational and really opened my eyes to a lot of new things. So if you guys need some tips on how to manage your stress levels or your anxiety, I think this is a great episode for you to listen to. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today's guest of the day is Cassie Zeinhardt. Hi, Cassie. Hello. Nice to see you. Well, they're only listening, but I'm good to look at your face. From a distance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm very excited to have you on today because not only are you a good friend of mine, you are someone who studies psychology and like can actually maybe answer some questions. I try to answer everything that I can. My brain is the size of a pea, so. <laughs> yes, let's set the record straight. You are not a trained professional doctor of 37 years. You are simply a oh. senior at Ohio State. The Ohio yes. State. I'm so sorry if I offended you. You forgot the V. Yeah, that's the important <laughs> part. <laughs> um. So what I like to do is just give a little background of how we know each other and our relationship. So um, why don't you describe when and how we first met, if you remember, even though we've had this conversation many times. True. My memory is hazy, but from what I remember, um, we both have a mutual friend. Her name is Maddie East. Um, I've been friends with her since fourth grade. So I used to go over her house all the time and you were best friends with her older brother, Cole. So I would see you often as well. And I think it just kind of sprouted from there. I know we officially started our friendship at a play. I think I was in like seventh grade. Is that right? Yes. What grade were you in at the time? I was a junior in high school at the time. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So we were at a play. So I was on... I was on stage crew for the play. It was Sound of Music. I think your mom was the choreographer. And, like, I think Logan was, like, one of the kids in it. And that's why you were there. And I was just stage crew moving some furniture around. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it was. And then after we all took a picture together, it was Cole, you, me, and Maddie. Um, And I think we were, like, we were sweating. (laughs) Yep. And, like, really close to each other. We were, like, wow. Now we've exchanged sweat. We're sweat sisters. So yep. we've called each other sweat sisters for how many years? Eight years? Nine years now? Yeah. That's it's, wild. It's been history. Yep. It started really weird and it continues to be, it's kind of normal now to be friends with somebody. But yeah, I was like, um, Uh, on my episode with Kristen we were talking about how people like vibe like when you meet someone you like vibe with them and like I don't know I just vibed with you I was like this girl's (laughs) cool even though she's in seventh grade and I'm a junior in high school like this girl's got something and she's cool and we vibed you know I've thought about that a million times because obviously you were is that four years older than me yeah specifics don't really matter but like at the time, I was way younger than you, and I was like, oh, she probably thinks I'm just this annoying seventh grader, but then you wanted to, like, keep up our friendship, and I was like, wow, so I'm actually cool? That's awesome. <laughs> you are. Like, before this, before I started recording this, like, we were already talking for a half an hour about different <laughs> stuff in our lives, and, like, again, we're four years apart. We have different things going on, but, like, I don't know. You're just somebody I can talk to like very naturally. You always have been someone like I can just unload to and it's just like instantaneous. Like it feels very natural. Which yeah. I, I love. Yeah. And you don't get that with everybody, you know? No, you don't. That's basically a rundown of our relationship. Like again, four years apart. Like I feel like it's more dramatic when you're saying like I was a junior in high school and you were a seventh grader. Like that's like, I don't know. It's not as Now weird. it doesn't matter. Because, you know, I'm 20, you're, are you 24? I am. I'm 24. Okay, well, it doesn't matter when you start to get older. 
that age difference doesn't really matter when you're in your 20s or 30s, so. Yeah, and I mean, like, when I was in high school, it's not like we talked all that much. We really did not start, like, hanging out until, like, more recently, more than ever. I would, like, text you and be like, hey, how's, like, I would check in, but we didn't really hang out until, like, the past couple years. Exactly, for sure. It was definitely chill in the beginning. Um, so the next thing before we get into the actual conversation, I like to say like one or two traits um, I admire about you. And I mean, you can, you can share the same thing if you want. Oh my gosh. I'll go first because I just love complimenting you because you get so uncomfortable <laughs> about it. And it's my favorite I'm so thing. Bad at, I'm so bad at taking compliments. I just get beat red. I'm like, Yes, you, you get just overwhelmed like, really easily. You're like a little turtle, like you'd start like covering your face <laughs> and you're like, stop. But <laughs> something I just admire about you is like your kindness. You are so kind and like so giving and such a very open person. Like again, we had like we haven't talked in so long and I started the Zoom call. We talked for a half an hour, updated each other on our lives, then are going into this to now talk about anxiety and depression. And again, even though there's that age gap there, like something is just so fluid about our relationship, like in our friendship. And I mean, you're just one of the nicest human beings I know. And I love your family and, and I love your mom. And that's probably why you're so great. I mean, well, I am half of my mother. So the other, <laughs> my dad, I don't associate with, but my mom is amazing. Well, we'll and- unpack that in a little bit, but you are more like <laughs> your mom. There's a lot to unpack there, but <laughs> yeah. No, you're so sweet. I love you and I adore you and your family. I've never been like close to your family, but I love them from afar because like they made you who you are. So something that I admire about you is how like loyal you are to the people in your life. Like you will be there at the drop of a hat for anyone that you consider a friend, even in any capacity. And I think that that is a trait that a lot of people don't have because loyalty, especially nowadays, is not very common. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just love that you would do anything for me, even though we don't even talk all that much. We more so nowadays, but not even before I knew that if I had a problem, I could always come to you and you're just so sweet and you're giving. And I am just, I'm just really thankful to be your friend. So mm-hmm. thanks for liking me enough to keep me around. Aw, <laughs> ditto, man. I love you. Aww, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's. Now that we've said all our kindness, let's unpack some things. So now that I'm sweating because you complimented me, let's <laughs> let's sweat break down some more. <laughs> let's shed a light on all of our flaws and insecurities. Yeah. Now that we got all the good stuff out of the way. Um, <laughs> um, I feel like again, we are not like super close. We don't talk every day, but I know a lot about you and you know a lot about me just because we're like, I don't know why I'm not very open with people, but something about you, I don't know, but you're not, you, you're not expressive to other people. Like that's shocking to me because like the blaze that I know just like willingly spills her guts, which I love. No, like, don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing. But I thought you were like that with everyone. Are you not? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. One bit wow that is crazy yeah again like you are a psych major and there's something about you just so open to like weird and open conversations like you are so willing to be like let's go let's unpack it and I'm like okay I feel like that's what it is like most people aren't willing to have those conversations but you are like encouraging about it I think it's really important to express how you feel because obviously if you bottle stuff up, it's no good. It's not good for you. Um, That kills you emotionally and physically. But yeah, I think it's just a lot of people don't like talking about their feelings, especially just about things that really hurt. So I feel like it's important to. Yeah, I'm one of those people. So (laughs) normal. I make all of my guy friends like tell me how they're feeling because like, society tells men that they can't share their emotions so I'm like no tell me how you're feeling are you upset right now why are you upset like let's talk about it and they at this point they're just annoyed with me because they're like okay Cassie like I I know that I feel sad like that's enough I'm like okay (laughs) no that's good they're getting like a free therapy session they should really (laughs) lock into that while they can oh true I'm gonna make my sister start paying me 
<laughs> and all the time she calls me crying I'm like dude mm. this would have been an easy 200 bucks for me like <laughs> <laughs> oh it sounds like Logan's got a lot going on maybe she'll be my next call <laughs> you can talk to her about stress and college if you want <laughs> that'd be great I'll put Logan on the docket she would love um, that yeah I would love that. I love Logan. I never talk to her as much as you, but equally great, equally cute and funny. Love that kid. I think she's like me, but she's like nicer, <laughs> like way nicer than me. Like I know that I'm nice, but like she's just on like a whole other level. Like you could step on her and she'd be like, thank you. I'm sorry I was in your way. <laughs> you know yes that's exactly what she does and she's so cute yeah she'd be like oh are you okay I hope I didn't hurt you with my foot being here I do the same thing but like I think after a while I'd be like why'd you do that but she would just be like no I was probably in their way it was definitely my fault so break it down for me what do you think anxiety is what is I think of it as worry and concern and stress all bottled into one what is anxiety well, the definition of anxiety and stress are actually two different things. Stress is the initial reaction of like fear. Uh, and then anxiety is like the lasting effect of stress. So to me, anxiety, like they go hand in hand, I think. Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe because it's like a feeling. But for me, when I feel anxiety, I just like my heart starts to race. and I feel like I can't breathe and I have to just like take a deep breath or else I'll pass out or something. I've had a lot of stress recently. So is stress, is stress like the trigger to anxiety or do you think there's other things that contribute? Um, well, so like if, if you look at like the brain, the amygdala is the part of the brain that links your perception of life with emotional thought. So the, the traits that like are associated with the amygdala are like neuroticism, uh, anxiety, fearfulness, and sociability. But because this organ processes fear, it also can fire signals at the wrong time, which makes you fear things for no reason, which is where anxiety and anxiety disorders come from. So like, I think it's just your body registering something as scary when it may not be in actuality. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Maybe it didn't, but... It did, and you sounded really smart. Oh my god. Thank you. <laughs> so when we talk about stress and like, do you think better stress management could lead to less anxiety? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that if you know how to control your stress levels, then you, I don't know, like if you control your stress levels, I think that you'll be able to like have lower like anxiety symptoms because another fun fact, cortisol is a chemical that is released in the brain in response to stress. So um, people who are chronically stressed or always anxious have really high levels of cortisol, which can lead to heart disease. And heart disease is the number one killer in the U.S. So wow. um, stress quite literally does kill if you don't know how to control it. So I think stress management and anxiety management is really important. So if you were not stressed out or anxious about your level of stress and anxiety, now you are because you know it will kill you. Yes. <laughs> no need to be anxious about the fact that it might kill you, but also if you have a stress issue, then you probably should do something to alleviate that pain because it's not, it's not good. I know that it's released in the brain, but it also, you can find cortisol in the blood too, which is why it's just not good for you. So obviously people, there's plenty of people out there, millions, even billions, some people may say, um, and they all deal with like stress and anxiety and their brain chemicals work differently than everyone else's. Like, it's kind of hard to give one cure-all. And that's why I think there's so many different answers to managing stress, like whether it be exercise or therapy or a little bit of both. Like, do you have like any other things that might help you lower some stress and anxiety? Yeah, so actually this semester I took a positive psychology class, um, which is the study of incorporating like positive experiences in your life and how it, it helps you have a better like general well-being and it increases your levels of happiness, which is like really interesting. 
So a couple of things that I learned from that class is that studies have shown that if you do random acts of kindness towards others, that it actually reduces social anxiety. So just like, I don't know, compliment one more person a day or like, I even find that complimenting people like, oh, like, I really like your shoes or, oh, like your makeup is incredible. Like humans like often reflect emotions. Like, so if someone's happy, then it makes you happier. If someone's sad, it makes you sad. It's just how humans are. So if you make someone really happy by something that you said, it increases your happiness levels. So that has been proven to help. Um, also mindfulness and meditation has been proven to reduce anxiety and increase positive effect, which just means like your happiness, you know? Um, and if you want the definition of mindfulness, because some people don't know what it is, which makes sense. Um, it's the act of being aware without judging yourself for your thoughts. So often when we have thoughts about just anything, we judge them for, like we judge ourselves for it. Yeah. Uh, I find myself doing it all the time. It's, common so and it being mindful is way harder than you like than you think it is um so things that I do to help is just like what can I feel like right now I'm sitting in my bed so like I can feel my comforter and like I don't smell anything so like the air is clear like that helps you bring yourself into the present moment and that's known to like reduce anxiety because you're not focusing on the things in the past or the future that are making you anxious Yeah, I can, uh, I mean, I think I, you know, compliment people a lot and try to be positive and that definitely helps me feel better about myself because I'm seeing that I'm making someone feel better. And um, I think that's why I do it so frequently. I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do, you know, Um, and Mm -hmm. something I started even this year is like yoga and meditation. And I think I never liked yoga before, but now, like, when I had nothing better to do, I was like, oh, this is very beneficial, like, to just sit here and be here with no one but myself, and to be, like, Mm -hmm. unpack my day with myself, and I forgot, I was thinking about something, um, I think I was in the shower and just, like, unpacking my day, and I was, like, immediately judging myself for thinking a certain way, and then, like, or I thought about something and I was being judgmental and I was like, no, no, let's step back. Let's, that's fine. If that's your first thought is a judgmental thought, but if your second thought mm-hmm. is you correcting that judgmental thought, then that's progress right there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they say, there's like a quote somewhere. I don't know what it is, but it basically is like, you're not being judged on your initial and automatic thought. You're being judged on like what you do with that thought and if you correct it so like yeah everyone's judgmental everyone thinks bad things about each other it's just human nature but if you correct it with well that's not that might not be true or you don't know that or that's not very nice to think that way like think of something nice about that person then I think that that that's what your character is it's not the initial thought it's if you want to fix it or if you feed the flame you know what I mean yeah Another thing that I've learned in in class and just in life, because a lot a lot of the things I learn in psych, because I obviously am a human being who experiences life, a lot of it just is like, yeah, that makes sense. It's just like a a definition to a feeling I've already felt, which is I think really cool, which is why I like psychology. Yeah. But there's something called magnification, which is you magnify the really bad things that happen to you, or like if you're in a conversation. And you're having a great conversation with someone and then you make a dumb comment, you're going to minimize the great conversation you just had and magnify the really bad part. And that's a lot of where anxiety comes from. It's like, that's where social anxiety comes in and stuff like that. So I feel like if you just are aware of it, being like, okay, yeah, I said that dumb thing, but for the last 20 minutes, we've been really hitting it off and we've been having a great conversation I'm sure they didn't notice. And people are very egocentric because obviously that's just how we're wired. So if you make a mistake, that person probably is not going to notice. Like, okay, you choked on your for like five seconds. Maybe they were like, oh, oops, hope they're okay. But then they're probably thinking about, oh, my hair looks really dumb right now. And I, you know, like I'm really uncomfortable in these shoes and I hope they don't think I'm weird. Like they're thinking about themselves just as you are. So nothing is as big of a deal as you probably make it seem. 
I don't know if that helps anyone, but. I feel like it will because I feel like that's most of our anxiety battered into like one statement. Like, yes, you're anxious about how you look or how you feel or what you said, but so is that other person you're having this conversation with. So it's like, it kind of evens out. Right, exactly. And like, there's so much comparison that goes on between other people. And I just don't, I don't even really recognize that other people are doing the same thing because even though I know all of that information I still when I'm having a conversation with someone it'll be going great I'll say something dumb and I'm like wow okay so I'm gonna think about that for the next decade because I'm stupid but then they probably like but then if I bring it up to them after being like hey I sounded really dumb I didn't mean it that way most likely they're like I don't know what you're talking about because yeah. they don't remember yeah or like I, I don't know I don't come out of conversations thinking about like something they may have said wrong because like I feel like we had a great conversation for an hour and I don't remember all of it but I remember it was good like we don't take away every second of that conversation no our brain kind of condenses it which is nice (laughs) speaking of like condensing information I I learned in one of my classes which I don't know I would like to do more research on this because I don't know if it's true or not well, if it came from my classes, it might be. But you know, the saying that like people have a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. I don't think that exists. I don't think that's real. There's plenty of TV shows to prove you otherwise. Right. But TV shows aren't always like correct. Because I know in Grey's Anatomy, what? Lexi, if anyone, I know everyone's watched Grey's Anatomy, but Lexi said that she had a photographic memory. But in my behavioral neuroscience class, I was told that there are no studies to support that it actually exists. Hmm. There are people that have really good memory, but I don't know. I'm going to, I want to do more research on that because a lot of people say it and it's in a lot of popular media, but I, that's what I was told. It's just great memory. Something I wish I had. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did. I was, cause one of my best friends, she, um, studies gerontology which is the study of aging and she's done like a lot of alzheimer's research and i was like i think i'm getting very very early onset alzheimer's because i have such a bad memory and she's like (laughs) no that's not a thing like you don't have it yet if ever but like you're just very you're not actively trying to remember something and that's why you're forgetting and i'm like maybe you're right Exactly. And I think (laughs) this was one of the hardest classes I've ever taken. It was called memory and cognition. So I literally learned about the psychology behind memory and talk about such a meta class. I could not like grasp a single thing. I know that we can only remember a maximum of like seven numbers at a time or like a chunk of seven numbers, but then we do this thing called, I think it's grouping where it's like in increments of three. So that's why phone numbers are like 440 and so on. Like they're just grouped into three because we can remember them easier. And same with like social security numbers. So memory is very difficult (laughs) to like wrap your brain around because you're like thinking about thinking. How do you do that? I don't even know. I Anyway, let's get back into anxiety and depression. So what yes. do you think? We we talked about a little bit how like stress is like a trigger for anxiety. What what brings you to that point of depression? Um, obviously, they go hand in hand. Usually, if you have depression, you also suffer from anxiety. They're called like the twin disorders sometimes. I think that's what it's called. But like they're, they're always together. Um, you rarely have one without the other. So I think that if you're depressed and thinking, oh, well, I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm dumb, I'm going to fail at something, I'm a failure, then you're going to feel anxious because you aren't the things that you want to be or that you feel you want to be. So there's actually a theory called the self-discrepancy theory. Um, and it basically is where there are three selves that you identify with. So the first one is your ideal self, which is you at your best or what you think your best is, the ought self, which is who you think you should be, and then the actual self, which is pretty self-explanatory. And 
you get anxiety if your actual self doesn't match up with your odd self and who you think you should be. So I think that that's where a lot of like depression comes in and like just feeling like you're not enough because that I feel like that's a lot of what people with depression think about um, and feeling that they're not worthy of this life or the people that are in their lives. So I don't know. I feel like you summed it up pretty well. I don't really have like an individual experience with depression specifically. I do with anxiety, but. Yeah, I personally have gone through like a little depression, but it was very, and Kristen and I talked about this as well. Like it's not something we suffer from, but it was due to circumstances we were under like a situational depression, if that's a thing. Right. I mean, you can have symptoms of any disorder on the planet, but having a disorder is like a totally different ballgame. Like, um, uh, my friend suffers from depression and to see someone who is so positive and like full of light and like, you know, so funny and to see them at their lowest low and like not want to get out of bed or like can't even eat because they're in this like state of depression. It's like something that if you haven't experienced it, it's wild to see. Yeah, I have a couple friends who, like, suffer from anxiety, and it breaks my heart every single time I hear about how they feel about themselves, because it's just, it's just so skewed, you know, like, like, how they feel is not a fact, you know, they feel that they're so worthless, and that they don't deserve to live, and they don't deserve any good thing that happens to them, and, like, imagine your brain telling yourself that, yeah, like, can you believe the kind of pain that that would put someone in, like, I, especially for such a long period of time, I just, yeah, like, some people can't sleep, some people sleep too much, some people can't eat, some people eat too much, it's just, like, it destroys your life, and people don't even realize that they can, like, get some help for it. Yeah, like, to see the effect that your mental health has on your physical health is, like, astounding, like, the two really go hand in hand, like, I remember after I tore my ACL, that was, like, a physical problem, I had to go through physical therapy after surgery, like, and I'm sure you're seeing that maybe with Zach and his injury, like once you suffer like any sort of injury that knocks you out of your norm, there's such like a mental toll on yourself and you really have to adjust. And the same thing goes with your mental stability. You know, if you're feeling anxious or depressed, it really affects your physical health. Right. I think suicide is either like it's in the top three things that kill teenagers every single year. It's a huge issue. And mental health really is almost like the silent killer. You know, even though like a lot of people suffer from it, no one wants to talk about it because, you know, if you tell someone you suffer from depression, they think a lot of people think, oh, like they're weak or, you know, they, they're just being dramatic or they're not actually that sad. Like, oh, if you're sad, then just go do something fun. Like that's not how it works. A lot of the times depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain your brain literally does not make the chemical enough of the chemical that makes you feel happiness everyone has such an emphasis on physical health and taking care of that but yeah people seem to forget that like your mental health can kill you just as easily if not more so than your physical health if you have like a mental disorder and don't get proper help then it's it's something that's not even talked about Right, exactly. Like, you can't see, unless someone has chemo, like, you can't see on the outside that someone has cancer, but at the same time, like, you can't see that someone has depression either on the outside, but for some reason, people think, oh my gosh, cancer, that's so bad, like, you really need to get help, like, have you done anything for it? Like, I'm always here for you, but then when someone's got depression, it's like, oh, I'm, why, like, why are you so sad all the time? Like, no one asks someone why they have cancer, because they do. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, you. sometimes you just really can't control it. Most of the time you can't, so. Yeah. Like, and that was a, a big part of why I wanted to start this podcast. Like, I am constantly around teenage girls, like, and teenagers in general, you know, they're developing, their brain is developing as much as their body, and some things just mm-hmm. don't add up. You're over-emotional, and you're, like, it's just a wild ride. And, like, these girls have so much anxiety about 
you know, things they don't necessarily need to be anxious about, but they are because they're teenagers and they are because people are anxious about everything. Like whatever it may be, I don't want to tell you you're wrong for being anxious about something, but like these girls have no idea how to deal with it. I mean, especially at Columbia, like it's so small and there's not as many resources as maybe as bigger schools. And again, it's not conversations people have had in the past. Like I don't talk to my parents about my anxiety, nor have I ever. I talk to them maybe occasionally, like if I'm feeling a certain way, but I mean, that's another thing. Like you're pretty open with your mom and your siblings about how you're feeling, but not everyone is or everyone feels that they can be right because a lot of people's families are really dysfunctional and they don't have a good support system at home which is why I feel as if schools should really step it up in the mental health department it is so important to educate people on things besides math and reading and science and social studies like all those things are important yes but so is like sex education besides just promoting abstinence because that's just not going to work a lot of the time because even though those kids have had sex education quote-unquote their rates of STDs are way higher just for example but like mental health kids don't know how to deal with anxiety they don't know how to deal with depression they don't know how to deal with a breakup or a dysfunctional family or Mm -hmm. you know how to de-stress because if their parents don't teach them who teaches them I mean, we have technology now. We can look up resources, and that is definitely going to change the game a little bit. But if the kids don't know what they're looking for, what are they supposed to do? Who are they supposed to turn to? Especially in such a small school like Columbia, we have one guidance counselor. She's incredible. But, I mean, she's got a lot going on. And luckily, because it's a small school, I don't think there's that much bullying. But it's still, I don't know. We also need to teach bullying, too. Yeah, but, like, Also, like, yes, it is a small school, but because it is a small school, everybody knows your business, and maybe that makes you feel even worse about yourself. Like, everybody knows this about me and that this happened because the word got around so fast, and I mean, that's just another digital age thing. Like, if you mess up once, it's everywhere instantly, and then it makes you feel bad about yourself. And, like, Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with Kristen when we were in school, like, we did not talk about anxiety or depression. Like, that was, like, not even a thing. Not that I'm saying I went to school 20 years ago. It was seven years ago, and I'm glad we're making some progress here, but, like, it's a thing everyone suffers from, and it's okay to talk about it, even if it isn't with your best friend. There's so many people out there who care about you and who are willing to have these conversations even if they can't contribute advice, I feel like listening is just half the battle. I wish it was something that was more talked about because as you just said, everyone goes through it. Everyone experiences really dark times. Everyone comes from some sort of trauma. And it's important to talk about those things because keeping it in is not productive. It does not do anything but harm you. Regardless if you know you think that you want to be strong for your family, like that's great and all, but you and your feelings are valid too. You have every reason to feel upset. Mm-hmm. You have every reason to feel anxious. It doesn't matter what it's about because it's not up to anyone to validate your feelings because whatever you're feeling is valid. I feel like that's a big thing too because <laughs> snaps of the fingers. Snaps, man. <laughs> and that's true. When you go to such a small school, everyone knows everything about you. Like I know in my grade, I knew, I don't know, I knew everybody and their parents and their grandparents and their siblings and their cousins. And I've been friends with everyone at least once. I've been at Columbia since kindergarten. So, and I was lucky enough to have a high school experience that was not filled with bullying. I've never been bullied, which is like such a blessing because I know that a lot of people don't get that opportunity. But I could imagine because everyone's learning and they're growing and we all make mistakes and we do things we're not proud of and that we don't want other people to know about. And when they do find out, it's very damaging. So Mm -hmm. it's important to talk to people, someone. Yeah, let's actually talk a little bit about friendships. Like when I was growing up, I didn't really have friends um, probably about till like second grade. And then I wouldn't consider it like I would... I would say they're my friends, but like, you know, 
I like open enrolled. I lived like a half an hour away from school. So I didn't have like, I didn't ride the bus with anybody. Like nobody would ever come over to my house and hang out. Like, I think that's why <laughs> I was so quiet as a kid. Like I just didn't know how to talk to people, but like, I didn't really have a friend group till middle school and like they were fun but I don't think it was the healthiest of friends like I don't think Mm -hmm. they encouraged great behavior I mean they were figuring themselves out just as much as I was and I don't think I agreed with like everyone's values like everybody values things differently not to say what they did was right or wrong we were just different people and yeah. I really didn't find my friend group that I, like, felt comfortable with probably about till junior year of high school. Like, I had friends, and, like, we had fun. It was a good time, but, like, I didn't find a connection with a group of people until junior year, and I'm still friends with those people till this day, just because yeah. there's, like, the kindest, weirdest, most open people I know and having them in my life like really changed like everything for me like I again don't open up a lot but like whenever I'm around those people like it's just so great to have people in your life who like are there for you versus like being there when it's convenient for them yeah exactly and having a having a lot of good not even a lot of good friends, but a couple really good friends and a good support system will make or break you. You know, Mm. it's everything humans need interaction. They need some sort of emotional intimacy to be able to survive. We are not individualistic creatures. So I think that my experience with friendships has always been pretty good. I, I was kind of friends with everyone, which is good, but then also bad at times because I, felt that um while I was quote-unquote friends with everyone I was always like picked last at least mm-hmm. I feel because you know everyone's like oh Cassie's friends with everyone she's good like she's she doesn't need any help but then I was like picked last for like partner projects or like in gym or like just anything in general and like that never really felt good because it felt like everyone just assumed I was like good you know I had Maddie when we were growing up and then we kind of faded away as she went to JVS. And then I found my friends, Selena and Emily and my whole big friend group of guys who I adore. They're all so great. Um, I'm still friends with all those people to this day, which is really awesome. I'm not super close with um, Maddie, but like, obviously we talk sometimes. Uh, Emily and I are super good friends. We talk every single day. Um, And having her has been really good because her and I are like at the same rate emotionally. She had a really tough time in high school just dealing with her family and growing up and the natural growing pains of life. So we're like finally at like the same place now and the same maturity level now. We can like have a lot of conversations that are helpful. I I don't even know how many times I call her being like I don't know what to do and she's like well I know you well enough that I think you should do this and it would like make you feel good and Selena and I we've been kind of like distant this past year but I'm sure that that will get better um but that's been hard on me too like not like seeing her as much when I've been friends with her for years you know that's been causing me a lot of anxiety because I've had people leave me before in like ways that should they should not have so I like get scared when things like that happen when I like fade away from people because I think that it's my fault, which it might be, I don't know. But um, friendships are stressful, but they're worth it, you know? Yeah. Um, friendships naturally fade away. Like, I mean, it's just yeah. part of growing. Um, I was also someone who's like friends with everybody. Like once I got to high school, I was someone who was like friends with everybody just because I was being friendly to everybody, like, I did not begrudge anyone, I wasn't starting drama, I wasn't feeding into drama, I was just, like, if I saw someone, I'd be, like, hey, how you doing, like, whatever, and I'm still like that to this day, but again, there is a toll to that personality, because you will 
to this day, I'll text people, like, that I'm friends with, like, not best friends, not good friends, just, like, acquaintances that I wish I had a better relationship with and be like, hey, it's been so long, like, you want to hang out, you want to do something? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, let's do something. It's so good to hear from you. And, like, I know they genuinely care and probably want to see me, but then there's, like, no follow-up whatsoever. And, (laughs) like, that's just so frustrating because, again, like, I try to put myself out there and maybe that's why I'm so guarded is because I'm constantly putting myself out there for better relationships and like just constantly just kind of being like brushed to the side whether they know they're doing it or not I just feel like I'm kind of like uh maybe later and just like that never developing right and I don't even think that a lot of the time it's intentional yeah you know because like I'm someone who like I some random person could text me from high school and be like, hey, I'm really having a problem. Like, do you think you could help? And I I would do it in a heartbeat because I just, I want to be there for everyone who doesn't feel like they have someone. And if they consider me any sort of safe space, that means the world to me. And like, that's why I want to do what I want to do. But it is hard because you feel like you're constantly the strong one. You feel like you're constantly everyone's backbone and Mm -hmm. you're carrying all of their crosses but you just, you can't do that your whole life. If people don't fight for you, don't fight for them because what do they bring to your life? Do they bring you joy or are you doing it because you feel as if it's your responsibility to make something into what it's not? Yeah. You know, cause I've struggled with that a lot too. Like, you know, cause I've had my whole dad situation. It was a bad rough time, but he ended up you know, like my mom and leaving and treating us terribly and, you know, ruining a lot of like the emotional part of myself. Um, And I've just, my defense mechanism is just, if you're not going to try for me, I'm not going to try for you because I've tried and then they leave. So what good does it do? Which is not healthy. And I'm in therapy. So we're working on it and it's going to be fine. (laughs) It's tough being everyone's strong person because you feel like you have no one to be strong. Or you have no one to be weak to. And I think, like, I mean, I think that's a big, because I am, like, chronically and always single. And I think that's why. (laughs) Because, like, friendships, like, they come and go. I mean, not that, like, boyfriends don't come and go. But, like, there's not as much emotional investment as, like, there is in friendships versus, like, having a boyfriend. So, like, whenever, like... I don't know, put myself out there, I just get, and, like, they reciprocate and be, like, okay, yeah, let's, like, maybe hang out a little more. I'm, like, ah, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so, you have an issue with people wanting to reach out to you? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Valid. I get it. I, you kind of like the chase, but then once it's not difficult anymore, you're, like, Mwah. yeah. <laughs> And I do, I feel very bad about it. It's just, like, finding that validation that, like, oh, you like me back? Okay, bye. (laughs) Like, yeah, I get that, because everyone wants to be desired in some kind of capacity, so uh, having someone who, like, oh, there are reciprocal feelings here? Okay, so I don't have to, like, try anymore? Ooh, no thanks and like maybe once you realize that try to talk yourself down from it I know that that's kind of hard to do obviously but if you find that you like someone and think about why it turns you off that they like you back what about it does try to rationalize it a little bit maybe that'll Mm. help that is valid because I have such a high opinion of myself and I'm (laughs) always like why don't people like me and then when somebody does I'm like what why like it 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 makes no sense to me but that's the way it is you're probably overcompensating a little bit like well for lack of a better word that sounds a little like intense but basically just because you feel like other people view you as something who's not worth their time the second someone that someone proves you wrong it scares you maybe probably maybe not you know what but I mean it would for me 
because you are fun and you are interesting and you're great to be around and duh, you're a catch. So when people see it, you should believe it because you should be like, mm, as you should like me back. And then maybe that'll, I don't know, because people are human too. Maybe they feel the same way. Yeah. But again, like, I know why people should like me. Like, my sense of self is not the lacking department here. Like, I have a very high opinion of myself. Good. But that's also may not be great. Well, I think knowing what you want and finding someone who checks all of your boxes is important. Like, I constantly am scared that, you know, the person I choose is going to be absolutely just not the person I need or because I don't really have the best sense of self. I, like I told you before we started recording, I constantly think I'm like 16. I'm not in 20, but I'm like, oh no, I'm just like a small little child. Like, and I, but I'm a senior in college now. Like I need to stop thinking that I'm a minor for some reason. But I, <laughs> so like, I know deep down the good person that I am and that as a person, I'm desirable. So whenever I like find someone that I like, I constantly am like, are they good enough for me? Like, am I settling? Because I don't want to settle, and that scares me. But like, again, even like, I know they're a great person. Yeah, and it's not like a date is a marriage proposal. Like, there's nothing wrong. Like, also, we could talk another hour about the dating world now and how ridiculous it is <laughs> and how nobody yeah. announces whether they're official or not. Like, the dating world these days. Mm not a fan maybe that's just like (laughs) gross I agree and like it's funny because my current boyfriend that I've been dating for like three weeks now but he was like determined to like officially ask me out like he was like I'm gonna make it special I'm gonna make sure that like we have a date that we like and or like an anniversary day that we liked and I'm gonna get you flowers and like the whole nine yards and like that's so different from like the rest of it oh my god you lucky son of a gun (laughs) I know (laughs) he's really great but like it's scary like like I was saying worrying that they're like good enough quote-unquote because there are a lot of guys like okay not gonna like toot my own horn here this is like not what I'm trying to do but like I've had a, a decent amount of people like me and I haven't liked them back at all because I know that like we're just not compatible in that way but finally finding someone that you feel like is good enough for you and checks all of your boxes and then like does things that are like out of the norm, like officially asking you out. Like once you find that, it's so great. And I'm surprised that I found it in someone that I've known for like four years. Yeah, you know? that is great that he's like going out of his way to do something special for like you and himself that he like has that much passion about this which is very great and I'm happy for you about that because that's really great you deserve that like finding (sighs) we'll see (laughs) I'm a pretty go with the flow kind of person so I'm like leave my destiny in the fate of whoever and circling it back to anxiety is that something that makes you anxious what the fear of not being able to find someone or um like that not really um I mean I feel like probably if it hasn't happened in a couple years I'll get more anxious about it um but like I'm in my mid-20s you know my friends are getting married people are having kids it's something that happens you know I know that I want kids one day Um, But again, it's like not something I've planned out. I don't have a five or 10 year plan. Like, oh, I want to have three kids in a house and like all this planned out. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be present because I don't even have, I don't even have myself figured out. I can't really figure myself out with somebody else. You know, there's just, I got a lot personally going on that and Mm -hmm. personally anxious about that. I don't really think about finding someone. Yeah you're content in your own life and figuring you out before you find somebody else. That makes sense. Yeah. There's no rush. We're very young still. So. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future and you can't plan for, you can't plan out your life because that's just not how life works. And that's, I think where a lot of people's anxiety comes from is Mm -hmm. humans want to control everything 
it's in our nature to be micromanagers. And the frustrating thing about life is that you can't control everything. And that's a big realization that some people need to have, me especially. Like when I worry about other people's decisions, I have to step back and be like, it's not your life. What are you going to do to fix that? Nothing. So there's no reason it should take up any room in your mind. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's why I'm so go with the flow now, because literally every single time I've tried to plan something, like life was like, nope. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can't plan. Like, you can plan as much as you want. You can stress about as much as you want, but don't be mad when things don't go your way. You know, there's only so much you can control in this life. And it definitely is a big factor of people's anxiety. And there are a lot of times where, you know, I'm very Christian. So like I view it from like a religious standpoint, you know, you can have a plan for your life, but what if, in my opinion, God's plan is just better. You know, like, what if your current boyfriend, you think, I'm going to marry this person, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I got a ring on that finger from this person. But then, again, in my mind, God breaks you up for some reason, and then you're devastated, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do now? I was planning on marrying him. But then a year later, you find someone who is worlds better than the person you originally thought. Mm -hmm. So don't ever try to plan anything, because usually there's a better plan in store for you, whether you're spiritual, whether you're not, life ends up being pretty good in the end. And if not, some people just don't get as lucky, which sucks. And I wish that life wasn't like that. But I don't know. I, I struggle with planning things in my life. And that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from, because I'm very future oriented. I have a five year plan, like, okay, well, I'm going to graduate this time. And then I'm going to go and get my master's in this and then I would like to start working and then have get married and have kids and get a house and all of that but you can't do that so that's why I'm going to therapy because I need to not think like that because that's not healthy I mean I think it's great that you have ambition and that you are you have like a mindset of what you want to accomplish in your life I think that's great and not everybody has that myself included I found that yes, things don't go your way in life and how you react to that is how things will be determined, how you go further. You know, I had this big plan after high school, I was going to go to school and study this and then I got sick and then I was like, oh no, I'm depressed now. What am I going to do? And then I got into coaching and then coaching made me the happiest I've ever been. And I've met amazing people and like just Mm -hmm. learned so much and now that chapter is closing and now I got to figure out what else is next. And people are constantly figuring things out and it's not permanent no matter what. So just, you know, happiness is not a constant thing. It's not linear. It's up and down and it's not guaranteed in any sense. So you just kind of have to figure it out as it goes. Exactly. And because you got sick and college didn't go the way you planned it to go, you've had so many new experiences that you would have never thought of if you went to school. Because oh, yeah. You would, you would have gone to college, then you would have gotten a job out of college, and then you would have, you know, done X, Y, and Z. But because it didn't go your way, you've met so many amazing people. Coaching has brought out a whole new side of you that you would have never found otherwise. So really I really though. do think everything happens for a reason. I can't I explain why bad things happen to good people. I wish that I had the answer as to why some people struggle with depression and anxiety and others don't. It's heartbreaking. You know, people who suffer from schizophrenia, like and mm. bipolar and borderline and narcissistic, whatever, like all of those things, I just feel so bad for the people that struggle. And they don't know why. They didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So... I find myself a lot on here talking about how fortunate I am for the people that I have in my life, my friends, my family, all these reliable people who have my best interests at heart, even if I don't agree with them or even if I do, but not everybody has that support system. So it's just, it's hard to sometimes talk about things that I don't understand, like not having a functional family or like not having a friend system that supports good behavior instead of encouraging bad and not healthy behavior. Right. 
and even for me, like, you know, I don't have, I have a dysfunctional family, but, you know, even though I lack a father figure, I have gained so many other father figures in my life that aren't as conventional. Like, for example, you know, Selena's dad is my dad. My grandpa has filled that role for me. My uncles have stepped up. And I have such close relationships with those men in my life that if I would have had a dad, I wouldn't have. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, are there days that I wish I had my own? Yeah, all the time. But again, everything happens for a reason. And I think that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And yeah. not even like the male figures in my life, even though I don't have a father figure in the normal respect, I have an amazing mom. She's in, she's so nice and giving Heck and yeah. just incredible in every single way. And I have amazing grandparents and it could be a lot worse. So I have, you know, everyone's feelings are valid and pain is relative, but I, I'm very lucky for what I do have. So it is important to be thankful for even the little things. That's right. I was watching the most recent season of Big Mouth and they have (laughs) Tito the Anxiety Mosquito. And then, Mm. I mean, I don't want to spoil this cartoon for anyone, but kind of at the end, after everybody's suffering from all these bites by Tito the Mosquito, they have the Gratitoad, who is a toad who eats Tito the Mosquito. And he really like, the whole point is gratitude and like you expressing your gratitude towards yourself, things that you're thankful for in your life or how you're thankful for your friends or how you're thankful for your home or your family. Like just find things in your life that you are thankful for. And it really, it really makes those anxiety levels. Like maybe not everything is bad. Maybe not everyone's out to get me because this happened and I'm grateful for it. Exactly. And speaking of gratitude, that was another thing I forgot to touch on earlier. I actually did a research project and like experiment on gratitude and the effects on anxiety, which is like, it totally applies here. Let me Um, hear it. (laughs) So basically, um, the literature says that if people like people that are suffering from anxiety and depression, if they, um, if they label three things that they're thankful for every single day, for a certain amount of time, it will decrease your anxiety symptoms, your depression symptoms. It'll increase your overall well-being and happiness. It really does change the whole perspective of your life genuinely. And I did a case study on my friend. Basically, um, her results were that her happiness and overall well-being improved um, after the gratefulness exercise. She did it every day for two weeks, right before she went to sleep. So if you guys, whoever's listening wants to do that, it really does help. Um, she found that her life is more meaningful, is present and doesn't get distracted on the past, has a better outlook on the day and is more fulfilled in life. So little things do go a long way. And even being grateful for, let's say you got a really crappy household and you don't have a lot of friends. You can label, I'm grateful that I got up this morning. I'm grateful that I had food on my plate. I'm grateful that I have a warm bed to sleep in. Yeah. Just reflecting on those things gives you a better outlook so I really think that that's important and I think to a point like once you start doing that you start seeking out and changing your behavior and finding more things to be grateful for right because during the day if you know that that's a routine that you have you can have something great that happened to you that day and you're thinking in your head oh I can write that down for later yeah so you're already reminiscing on the good things that happened in your life and you're quite literally changing the connections in your brain which is exactly what therapy does that's exactly what you do in therapy that's exactly what you do when you're trying to fix certain symptoms and it's really good like people with depression for example they've got a lot of negative thoughts and if you try to fight those negative thoughts with just a neutral thought or a positive thought you're rewiring your brain to think more positively which it takes a lot of work because I, you know, I can't even speak for how difficult that would be, but studies show it work. So I think if you're feeling overwhelmed with anxiety, then you should try to do that because it's nice. Yeah. Wow. That's great. I know that people with depression, you know, they often go to sleep wishing that they don't wake up and like 
that is just so sad. Like I just, yeah. my heart goes out to everyone who feels that way because obviously I think that everyone's wonderful. I don't even need to know them to know that they deserve mm-hmm. to live and they deserve love and happiness. But it's just, you waking up in the morning is a blessing. Really you know, does. maybe you don't see it, but that's one thing that happened that maybe you wish didn't happen, but it did. And you should be proud that it did because you get to live on this earth another day. And that's another day to make your life better and try to get help or do something that improves your life a little bit. Getting out of bed, incredible. I applaud you if you did that. Going to eat, taking a shower, said hi to your mom, pet your dog, whatever. Even though it's little, it's big. Yeah. Anyone who suffers with that, so. Yeah, and watching people that I care about go through this hard time really makes me appreciate, like, I did not know that something as simple as getting out of bed in the morning could be such a struggle Mm -hmm. for some people and that's okay. Right. Exactly. I just think it's so important to be there for those people in your life because one day they might not be here, which I don't even want to think about that, but just do as much as you can to support those people and just tell them that you care because they probably need to hear it more than you think they do. So they might not believe you. They might be like, ah, you're joking or nah, I don't believe you. But if you keep saying it, maybe they will. That's like another reason why I like to open this episode with like one or two things we admire about each other because like, yeah, we, we don't share that. We aren't like, you know what I love about you? Like, that's just not a part of day-to-day conversation. Like sometimes I'm, I always, yeah, it should be, but I question my relationship with everyone, every friendship, no matter how long it's been, you know, there's days I'm like, oh, do they still like me? Are they getting tired of me? And then like, they will just say like, or if they do say something nice, I don't believe them. You know, it's such a weird, weird thing, but to hear it is great. Exactly. I think that that's really important. After this podcast, tell your friends that you love them. Tell them why you love them. Give them specific examples because I know that it'll make their day and studies show that it'll make you happier too. So do that. Yes, that (laughs) is right. Um, Is there anything else that you wrote down? You put in so much time and research. I want to make sure that you got everything, (laughs) every bullet point you wanted to cover. Actually, yeah, I I did cover everything. No way. Yeah, I I did. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote down things that I figured we would segue into. So is that the right word? Segue? Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) Stuff that we would be able to flow into easily. I think another thing that I wrote down um, quickly is that forgiveness is related to lower symptoms of depression and anxiety and fewer physical health symptoms. Hmm. Um, Forgiving people is very hard to do, especially when you've been hurt. But trying to realize that no one's perfect and everyone messes up in life is a good thing to remind yourself of because if you did the same mistake I'm sure you'd want forgiveness as well it depends on the situation and what it was and who it is and all of that but for the things that you think you're able to forgive them for try to do that because it will it'll be a benefit to both of you yeah that's it my quote is from this woman called Cornelia Tenbaum. If you want to hear a great story about an inspiring woman, look her up. Cornelia, like, and then the number 10, like, spell out the number 10, and then, like, the word boom. It sounds like bomb, but it's boom. Look her up. She's pretty cool. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strengths. I love that. Yeah. That is so so awesome. Basically thinking about everything that could go wrong tomorrow distracts you about everything that could go right today. So this is Matthew 634. I live by this one. This one really helps me when I feel really stressed about life. Um, It is, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So... That also leads into mindfulness. Take one day at a time, one breath at a time. 
one moment at a time because today is enough to worry about. There's no need to think of tomorrow because if you think of tomorrow every single day, you can't appreciate the now. So that one's really powerful for me. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was very similar to mine. Um, and I agree with it. Um, yeah, it's very on theme. I love it. I love yours too. It was awesome. Yeah. Mutually great (laughs) quotes. You gotta love a good quote, man. Sometimes really hits the spot. Sometimes they really do be hitting different though. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) All right. Well, Cassie, this was a lot of fun and I, I truly enjoyed every second of this conversation and thank you so much for having it with me. Well, thanks for asking me to come on. I'm so excited to hear it when it's out. And I love having this conversation with you. I love talking to you about anything. So, <laughs> Thank you again to the wonderful, the beautiful, the amazing Cassie Zeinhardt for this conversation. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it had some takeaway for you. For more information, feel free to follow me on Instagram at L-Y-F-S podcast. Tune in next Thursday for another episode. And always remember to love your future self.